0: Absolutely false. That's what Pope Emeritus Benedict called Traditionis Custodes years before Traditionis Custodes was promulgated, which vindicates the trads. Brethren in Christ, laude to Jesus Christus in Secula. This is Timothy Flanders, the meaning of Catholic. Jesus is King. Happy Ember Friday in the Octave of Pentecost. Welcome to Pope Benedict Vindicates the Trads. This is a conversation among Trads for Trads about Pope Benedict, Joseph Ratziger, and his life and work, and how his life and work vindicates the traditional movement as is understood in our time. So today's topic: we're going to be getting getting into the liturgy. This is where Pope Benedict really shines for the Trads. This is where his work really, really vindicates their decades-long struggle of being vind- uh, vilified, calumniated, told they were schismatic and disobedient. This is where Pope Benedict really comes in and goes to bat for the trads. And this is where we, I think we really, really need to focus as trads because we're in an era of Traditiones Custodes, where uh, Mass of the Ages has come out. We'll talk about that as well. So we'll be talking today about the liturgy, and I don't know how long this will take, but this is, we already took, this is, what is this, number 11, I think, Um, I think this is part 11 of this series, um, and we have, I designed, I thought of this series, we should just be focusing on the liturgy in this whole series, and so we've already spent 11 11 parts on this um, before we even got to the subject. So I don't know how long this part will take, but we're currently on part 11 of this whole series. Um, but the, uh, so we'll just continue every Friday, God willing. Um, so, uh, before we go on, I want to encourage everyone to be, become a member of the guild. This whole channel is a collaborative effort between myself and other members of the apostolate. Um, uh, both those, you see there, you see their face, but also many others who are members, you don't see their face because they're working behind the scenes in many different ways, And uh, so this whole collaborative effort of the Apostolate is made possible through the guild. The guild supports each other and they become members of an online guild, which helps to support uh, all of the business arrangements of the Apostolate so that we can do our job to create this content for you and we can make it free for you and uh, free for anybody um, without ads on YouTube. I hate ads. I hate advertising. I hate mind control. We don't have any ads on YouTube. So please support the guild, patreon.com slash meeting of Catholic. If you become a member of the guild, you get free books. You get a guild community, the online uh, community. You also get guild only content. We just had our first badge of honor, which we're, which is where we had our first guild video removed by YouTube. It was pretty funny because it was, a, it was an unlisted video. So you know, nobody can see it except for guild members. It was an unlisted video. And it was removed by YouTube within 24 hours or no, it was 20. It was like 48 hours, I think given like 48 hours. So that means that YouTube is able to analyze the transcript of what is said so rapidly that they broke, they, they took it down, uh, very, very quickly. I, I was surprised. I didn't even think I, it was kind of a test to see how, how smart these Marxist bots are, but, uh, they are quite smart. They've got the buzzwords down. So, cause we said all these buzzwords in this, this video, uh, with a per- particular personage who we've talked about before, who's been banned from anything, everything, basically. So anyhow, to get to get a part of the, the guild content, uh, you have to be a part of the guild. As always, if you can't afford it, the point of the guild is to support people economically. So if you can't afford it, just contact me. We'll st- still get you a part of the guild if you can't afford it. So meaningofcatholic.com slash contact. I've already got uh, a number of different um, comments here. Um, let's see. Second episode of Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Welcome everybody. Um, thanks. Thanks for coming in, tuning in. Uh, so we're just going to break down a few, a few of the main texts. Uh, just we're going to quote a few of those today. And then next week we'll continue. We'll just continue all these different aspects, and we'll be talking about Mass of the Ages episode two because at Ma- Mass of the Ages episode two really lays out the basic, the basic uh, text or the basic uh, case of the traditional movement of why are us and our forefathers have striven so mightily to preserve the old right, the ancient Roman right, and at, at a time of the new right the new Roman right. So, um, today we'll, t- we we'll, I'm going to share two quotes from Pope Benedict, Joseph Ratzinger, and it's going to begin to unpack where Ratzinger is coming from here, which will help to vindicate the trads and get into our topic and everything. Um, Jacob says, who is Pope Benedict? Uh, Benedict. Is that, is that what I, is that what I spelled it? Did I spell it wrong on, on the title? Uh, I'm not really sure. I'm talking about Joseph Ratzker. Um, So, first, first comment is coming from Joseph Ratzker's, uh fifty. So, fifty years after he was ordained, he wrote a a book called Milestones, and I understand this work as a a, a tribute, a, an act of gratitude to God for his ordination. Um, and uh, so, just it's just a, some memoirs recalling all of all of his life. And um, it, people who know Joseph Ratzinger personally, people like Cardinal Seurat, um, testify to the fact that Ratzinger is a very prayerful man, but in uh, testament to his virtue, he is extremely modest about his spiritual life. And so he does not talk about his spiritual life. I, I'm not sure if there is really any, Sort of autobiographical type spiritual, like like Saint Augustine's Confessions type of thing, like that. Um, So this is when you read this, we might get the false impression from Ratzinger to think that he's just sort of boasting about his life. But if we read, if we read him sympathetically, which I think it's it's fair, trads. If trads want, this is I always say that if if trads want Archbishop Lefebvre to be exonerated, or if they want you know their heroes to be exonerated. They have to extend the same courtesy to people like Joseph Ratziger or people like Carl Voitiwa, who, in my opinion, are very little understood, especially Wojtyla. Um, But Ratziger, so at night, this is night, this is published in, um, in Italian in 1997. I think the original language is German, but um, what I'm saying is that he, his spiritual life is so private and, and he's modest about it. He doesn't share about his spiritual life. Um, but we know from those who know him personally, that he is a very prayerful man. And so when he, when he talks about his life, he's just talking about these different aspects of his life and he's not trying to delve deeply into his spiritual life. So let's get into the, the, um, what is said here now, <clears throat> if we go to take this text and we go to page, um, 146, which is where he talks about. His period at regensburg so this is a very important point here um which this goes up until the year 1977 so regensburg was when uh ratzinger was appointed the let's see 60 1967 so this is right after vatican ii um joseph ratzinger is professor of theology at at regensburg and so this is 1967 to 1977 and here's what he says about the Novus Ordo Mise, and the whole liturgical uh, revolution that was happening. This is page 146. At the beginning of my years in Regensburg, there was the publication of the Missal of Paul VI, the Novus Ordo, which was accompanied by the almost total prohibition, after a transitional phase of only a year and a half, of using the Missal we had until then. I welcome the fact that now we had a binding liturgical text after a period of experimentation that had often deformed the liturgy. So he's lamenting the fact that what was happening, we'll talk about this in the future. What was happening from 1964 to 1969 was a, a massive iconoclastic chaos that no, uh, I mean, Paul VI himself lamented this chaos. It, it was a terrible, terrible thing. Destruction of the liturgy, we had priests ripping, literally ripping rosaries out of little old ladies' hands at the mass. This is, and this is, and priests were saying this publicly, saying we have to go rip the rosaries out of these people's hands. It's it's quite insane the the way the faithful were treated during this period. So he's welcoming the fact that okay, now we've got a standardized liturgical text that be after this deforming of the liturgy. But here's what Ratzinger said: "But I was dismayed." By the prohibition of the Old missile, since nothing of the sort had ever happened in the entire history of the liturgy. So, first of all, here's your first contradiction. Uh, Nothing like that had ever happened in the entire history of the liturgy. Pope Francis, in Traditionos Custodos, in the Incompany Letter, he paints this as if he's just imitating Pius V. Pius V, who forbade liturgies that were new, brand new liturgies in the history of the church. Pius V, when he promulgated uh, Missale Romanum in 1570, he prohibited the brand new liturgies. Well, what's brand new? 200 years old. That's brand new in the history of the church. And he preserved all of the ancient liturgies. Well, that's the exact opposite of what Pope Francis has done. He's prohibited the most ancient Roman rite and he has imposed the most, the brand new, not even 200 years old it's 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 even and even if we consider the changes uh under john paul ii and the revocations of some of paul VI's decrees it, it's it's like brand brand new it's like brand spanking new it's like a hot off the presses he imposed it again and and uh prohibited the ancient uh roman missile now this is listen to what he says here though this is skipping over uh the next page the prohibition Of the missile that was now decreed, says Ratziger, a missile that had known continuous growth over the centuries, starting with the sacramentaries of the ancient church, introduced a breach into the history of the liturgy whose consequences could only be tragic. Now, I want to notice here, it introduced a breach into the history of the liturgy. Now, I'm not sure what the German original said, but in English, the term breach and the term rupture are synonyms. So when you're introducing a breach and he's constantly talking about the, he just, he he has another adjective in that same sentence. The other adjective is continuous. So we have a, we have a, we have a grammatically, we have setting up of two different um, distinctions here or uh, antonyms here. One is the uh, continuity or continuous with the breach. And so he, he's already talking in 1997 about continuity on the one hand and rupture on the other. And he sees that the whole development of the the old right, the, the Roman right is a continuous, there's a continuity there. And we'll see when we look at uh, Cardinal Seurat's comments and Cardinal Seurat is the really the greatest exponent of Ratzinger's thought. He's even, the, he was even made the official exponent of Ratzinger's thought by Pope Benedict. So, if we want to understand Pope Benedict and his liturgical thought, we have to go to Cardinal Sarah. So we'll get to that later. But Sarah says this exact same thing. The whole continuity of the liturgical tradition is so critical for its authenticity, for its authority, for its uh, this life, and the, the, the place of the life in the church. And so um, this is what helps us understand what Pope Benedict says in Last Testament. So here's the next text we'll read from. Uh, this is Benedict XVI, Last Testament in his own words. So this is published after he abdicated. Um, this is in... Um, German is in 2016. So three years after his resignation. Here is where he explicitly contradicts the reasoning of Traditionis Custodes. Now recall that pope francis says in traditionis gustatus that um he he says that the whole reason for Summorum pontificum so remember Summorum pontificum 2007 that's when pope benedict uh reverses this whole breach and we'll get into that more but Pope Benedict says, and he interprets. So this is really the this is the his own Pope Benedict's own words interpreting Summorum Pontificum. Now, what traditionus Custodius said is that the whole reason we did that was just because of the SSPX. It had nothing to do with there is a problem with the liturgy or anything like that. It was all about the SSPX. These are just some rigid trads, and they're just fuddy duddies, and they just can't get along with the program, and they're mean. So we're just going to give them our Latin mass and try to help them play nice with the other Catholics. That's what Traditiones Custodes says. Okay. When you read through it, it's, it's, it interprets that someone Pontificum was all about the SSPX. So listen to what Pope Benedict says in 2016. So here's, here we have five years before Traditiones Custodes. Now listen to what Pope Benedict says and see how this directly contradicts the reasoning based on what we first read in what he actually thought about it from the very beginning, from back in 1969. Here's what Seawald, Seawald says this. Now the reauthorization of the Tridentine mass, Summorum pontificum, this endeavor was somewhat timid. Was that because of the resistors within the church itself? And here's what Pope Benedict says. I have always said, and even still today that it was important that something which was previously most sacred thing in the church to a people should not suddenly be completely forbidden. I think in Mass of the Ages, it quotes uh, Feast of Faith, where it says that the prohibition of the old missile, um, something like it, it called in the whole being of the church into question. So he elaborates on this exact same point. He says this, a society that considers now to be forbidden what it once perceived as the central core, that cannot be. The inner identity it has with the other must remain visible. So for me, it was not about tactical matters. And God knows what, but about the inward reconciliation of the church with itself. So it's not about anything except for the inward reconciliation of the church with itself. It makes complete sense if you're a. we published an article at 1 Peter Five. It was the um the sociological as, the sociological analysis of the liturgical reform. And it, it pointed out how, like, if you're a sociologist or you're a historian or you're a basic academic with a rational brain, you can see Rasiger's Rass- reasoning here. How how can how can any religious group whatsoever abolish the most central thing and replace it with something else and not call into question its entire existence? It's very simple, it's a very simple reason. Now, but Check this out. Seawald gets more to the point of Traditionis Custodis. Here's what Seawald says. The reauthorization of the Tridentine Mass is often interpreted primarily as a concession to the Society of Pius X. That's exactly what Pope Francis would do five years later. So what does Pope Benedict say when Seawald inadvertently brings up five years before it happened exactly what Pope Francis would say in Traditionis Custodis? What does Pope, Bre- Pope Benedict say? That is just absolutely false, exclamation mark. That's Pope Benedict's opinion of Pope Francis's reasoning in *Traditionis Custodes. That is just absolutely false, exclamation mark. It was important for me that the church is one with herself inwardly, with her own past, that what was previously holy to her is not somehow wrong. Now the right must develop in that sense, reform is appropriate, but the continuity must not be ruptured. This goes right back to what we read in the memoirs, 1969, there's a breach in liturgical history. There has to be a continuity. It, we're calling our own being into question by, 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 abolishing the ancient Roman right. Now he addresses the, the SSPX question. The SSPX is based on the fact that people felt the church was renouncing itself. That must not be. Now notice, notice the, the, the implied concession here, the SSPX. So he says that must not be. So he first establishes that to, 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 um, abolish the latin mass would be in fact to renounce itself to for the church to renounce itself and so therefore the SSPX was based on the fact that people thought that was happening that must not be well based on what he says in the memoirs that was in fact happening de facto de facto paul vi according to his own intentions he intended to abrogate the mass in fact it's really funny if you read this text, where is that thing? I lost it. Okay. So if you read this text by James Lacutis, the Pope, the Council, and Mass, this was published shortly before Surum Sumorum Pontificum, and these are these are good good Catholic scholars. These are James Lacutis, great guy. Uh, I don't know Kenneth Whitehead very well, but these are Orthodox, pious Catholics, and they argue that Paul VI was abrogating the Latin Mass. So everybody thought that Paul VI was abrogating the Latin Mass. Except for the SSPX, who said, no, that cannot be. Well, that's exactly what Pope Benedict says. That cannot be. We can't do this. Even if you try, you can't do it. Now, now he addresses the fact that, yes, the SSPX were involved. Continuing Pope Benedict. As I said, my intentions were not of a tactical nature. They were about the substance of the matter itself. Of course, it is also the case that the moment one sees a church schism looming, the Pope is obliged to do whatever is possible to prevent it happening. This also includes the attempt to lead these people back into unity with the church, if possible, end quote. So we can see what Ratzinger is saying here in, as, as Pope Emeritus Benedict. He's saying, my intentions were not of a tactical nature. They're not about the SSPX. It's about the very substance of the, the church's very own essence. Now, of course, it deals with the SSPX too, so that's a secondary issue. So yes, Summorum Pontificum was about SSPX, but that is a secondary tangential issue. What he says here clearly shows that even if the SSPX did not exist, Pope Benedict would have done what he did in Summorum Pontificum. Why? Because in 1969, when he had these thoughts, the SSPX didn't even exist yet. So the SSPX did not even exist at the time that he thought that there was a liturgical rupture. All of these things vindicate the trad's opposition to Traditiones Custodes because the reasoning of Traditionus Custodes, as we said, is a, is the fallacious claim that Simorum Pontificum is all about the SSPX. It, it is a fallacious claim. It's historically false. It, it is simply historically false. And so if the Pope makes a decree based on a falsehood that he's been misinformed by Andrea Grillo and various other Italian uh, neo-modernist heretics and whatnot who hate the Latin mass, if he's been misled and misinformed or whatever, then we have the duty to say, Holy Father, you've been misinformed. And so this is the trad movement now we're trying to inform the Holy father and others who support this whole measure. You have been misinformed about Pope Benedict. And so that's the purpose of this show, but this helps to vindicate the trads because Pope Benedict, as we said in the very beginning, he is an adverse witness for the trads. He's not a trad per se. Uh, He doesn't hate the trads, but he's the most, one of the most mainstream uh, conciliar and post-conciliar voices. So, that's the reason for that. Um, let me see a few comments. Prohibition of TLM automatically incur the wrath of St. Peter and St. Paul. Now, Peter, I'm not sure if you're referring to quote premium here, but if you are, this is an argument that we need to, we need to nuance this a little bit because the, um, the wrath of St. Peter and Paul and other such, uh, in sort of strong language is used by the popes to warn against uh, dis- impious dissent against their decrees. And so that does not preclude a pope in the future from reversing certain decrees, even if they are... So, for example, Clement the XIV's decree suppressing the classical Jesuits said that this will be a law forever. But two popes later, Pius, Pius VII reversed that he has, he says similar, uh, Pius V says similar things in his document promulgating the Roman breviary. He says, if anyone shall change this law, he will be incur the wrath, etc., etc. But Pius X completely abrogated that and, and imposed in a brand new breviary. And this is something that trads often point to as an, as an inorganic rupture in the breviary by Pius X. So those are some aspects to that. I don't know. I don't know if you're referring to that or not. Andrea says, "I'm afraid Ratzinger defends the TLM for aesthetic reasons, and he misses the point in the overall destruction of all Catholic theology, pastoral customs, and sacraments after 1969. The implementation of Bonini's Novus Ordo was only an instrument of a much larger plan of destruction. Um, that is not my reading of Ratzinger. I don't really. I do not think that his critique of the suppression or the critique of the Novus Ordo was on aesthetic grounds. I I think it is actually much deeper. Um, I I think it is really in accordance with the traditional position that there is a problem with the reform itself. That's why he promoted the reform of the reform and the new liturgical movement, which is which is about the Novus Ordo. It's about the fact that there is a issue with the Novus Ordo, apart from the fact the Latin mass is suppressed. Uh, So we'll get into that more in, in future shows on this um Ratziger loved a lot in mass for anti-materialist reasons not aesthetics um yeah I would tend to agree with that view um do you know about the prophecies of Saint Pope Malachi uh not much I I Catholic prophecies are are something that I I I'm not very well versed in unfortunately um but uh I, so I, I can't really comment much, but I, I basically know about the Fatima prophecies, um, but I don't know much about all the various prophecies that are out there. Um, so I'm sorry, I can't comment on that. But that's all we have on the show today. So thanks so much for watching. Let's offer up an Ave. I, I want to pray especially for for Pope Francis. There was just a, an announcement that he um, had to cancel a trip. And so we know that his, his health is is frail. Uh, there are um, quasi uh serious rumors that he does have serious cancer um this may or may not be the case but it is from more qualified sources i've heard that so let's pray an ave for for pope francis we pray for our holy father that he may uh if he is seriously ill and, and towards death that he may have a good death strengthened by the sacraments of the church um and it, it, if not we we pray that he may recover and that he may uh be delivered from his enemies as the traditional prayer goes in nomine patris et filii spiritus sancti amen ave maria gratia plena dominus tecum benedicta tu in mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tuus iesus santa maria mate de ora pro nobis peccatoribus nunc in hora mortis nostrae amen in nomine patris et filii spiritus sancti amen jesus is king amen.